Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. everybody my name is james d fiore and this is blackballed well listen we haven't talked about covid19 in a long time we haven't talked about vaccines or anything like that uh there's a good reason we were all kind of tired of it however the klondike papers which most of my viewers will know is the gift that keeps on giving has an under or an unreported story dealing with How Justin Trudeau's government came about their vaccine procurement decisions. And you will kind of not believe (laughs) what we have in store for you today. Again, this is a story that has never been told. And it comes to you from our good friend. And his name is Mr. David Wallace. David, how are you, buddy? How are you? Not too bad. When I first heard of this story, I had to look at it a bunch of times. I had to get you to explain it to me like I was stupid. Because it is just one of those stories that it, it just, it, it makes you scratch your head because, and just to set this up, we were dealing with uh, the vaccine procurement stage at, in, in what, what, in 2020, correct? Yes, 2020, let, Yeah, let me go look at the uh, actual date of this email. So in March of 2021, when did we get the vaccine? Do you remember? I don't remember the exact date, no. Okay, I'm going to. I'm going to take a look here. Um, pandemic uh, hangover, I guess. Yeah. No, it was it, it was one of those things that... Uh, which uh, It was 2021, though, I believe. Correct? Like, it wasn't 2020. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. No. Uh, okay. So, I, should I start with that email? Sure, why not? The the one... Uh, I'm not going to put it on the screen because I, uh, I didn't black it out. But it's because uh, there's a person's name on it. I don't think that should be... Okay, um, the email is to Mr. Bill Matthews, who was the Deputy Minister of Public Services and Procurement for the Government of Canada. And this is, you remember who sent this email, correct? I do. Okay, we, I just want to state for the record that I have all these documents in front of me. I'm going to show a couple redacted emails tonight. I'm not going to mention the uh, two gentlemen tonight, anyways, who are involved in this um, for a couple of reasons. One is... Uh, we told him that we wouldn't, uh, and you know, and and we both know one of these individuals. I'm not sure. Do you know the other person as well? Uh, sort of. Okay. So the, the and 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 we will though in the in the near future uh, mention who these people are, just because it it will kind of round out the story. And it's in the Klondike papers. I'm just going to have to ask my viewers to trust me and then know that eventually. Uh, first of all, they know me. I would never put a story like this out if it wasn't. Um, you know, if it didn't come with evidence. So that's what we're doing. So um, I'm going to read the email 
And I'm going to then uh, follow up with you to tell uh, everyone what it is that we are sort of setting up here. So the email is to Mr. Bill Matthews, who's the Deputy Minister of Public Services and Procurement. Dear Deputy Minister Matthews, thank you very much for your time, consideration, and honesty you shared with me, my colleague, during our telephone call this morning. And I left the colleague's name out. As mentioned, the goal of, should I mention the company, David? Uh, just the acronym, I guess. Okay. As mentioned, the goal of, and the acronym is PIL, is to assist within the full extent of our relationship and abilities, the government of Canada to contend with and defeat COVID-19 virus that has plagued our country. We fully recognize the high volume of fraudsters and time wasters that this pandemic has dragged out of the woodwork. As a legitimate provider of services, we have also found this to be a great hindrance to our business. We also agree on the reality of politics and inconsistency that's occurring internally with companies between competitive companies and sadly affecting and involving governmental policies. During the last 30 plus years of international business, we have developed both an excellent reputation and the ability to succeed in difficult situations. To that end, we have reached out to our contacts in order to provide validated and secure source of vaccines for Canada. This is in addition to our own manufacturing of COVID-19 rapid antigen antibody test kits, which are currently in front of Health Canada for approval. In terms of vaccines, the business would be conducted directly and this is very important, directly between the government of Canada and the vaccine manufacturers, in this case, both Pfizer and AstraZeneca. Following your explanation of the difficulties you faced, we have made arrangements for you to receive by early next week. Now, again, this the date of this email is March 26, 2021. By early next week, a letter from Pfizer Switzerland confirming their ability to provide you with a minimum of 20 million doses for their, of their COVID-19 vaccine during April, May, and June of this year. As the vaccine is being produced and bottled in Switzerland, it does not fall under the existing EU export restrictions. We would like as well to arrange for you to meet by teleconference a senior executive of Pfizer Switzerland to confirm this, or should you wish, have the Canadian ambassador to Switzerland meet or talk to a representative of Pfizer Switzerland directly. Again, being that we are able to ex expeditiously circumvent the bureaucratic and political logjam, the 20 million plus Pfizer vaccines will be available in the time frame above. I wish to reiterate again that the business will be conducted directly between the government of Canada and Pfizer Switzerland. He points that out because a lot of governments had uh, intermediaries that would end up making money off of, uh, off of um, vaccine procurements, but also delay the shipment of, of vaccine procurements because capitalism and politics, right? Absolutely. As discussed, we have also arranged the availability of the AstraZeneca vaccine to be provided to Canada under a more aggressive delivery program than that of Pfizer. Again, the business will be conducted directly between the manufacturer and the government of Canada without third-party intermediaries and would be unaffected by the recent restrictions implemented by India. We wish you a good weekend and return next week. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so explain to us why that email is so important. That email, especially coming at the time it did, Canada, uh, the United States, uh, we were at a choke point where cases were skyrocketing and... Um, the ability to procure vaccines had gone dry due to a, I believe it was the, um, was one of the components of the vaccines that uh, were not, it just was not available uh, for many different reasons. Um, Canadian lives were on the line. These gentlemen stepped forward and using some extraordinary, um, extraordinary negotiating tactics and trading on relationships were able to convince um, Pharmaceutical giants, AstraZeneca, uh, um, uh, uh, Pfizer, these are, these are the big boys. Mm -hmm. They were able to pull favors directly with Pfizer, Switzerland, 
to get the doses that would have saved Canadian lives. By this government's own admission, these doses were critical at this point to saving Canadian lives and preventing long COVID and from people dropping dead in the street from heart attacks and strokes. That's what happens. This is the consequences of COVID. This is what we are told. So our government at this point had access to these life-saving and life-altering medications, and they flatly refused to do it unless these gentlemen would place the business through a third party, unknown to them, but very well known to people in the office of the PMO. Yeah, it is. That's treason. Treason. Well, it is definitely politics uh, in the realm of uh, of COVID. It's thievery. It's graft. It's artifice. It's insider trading. It's fucking treason. Go on. I want you to expand on that. If this government, at threat of losing your job, your career, infecting your neighbors, killing kids in your neighborhood, hurting elderly people, forced you to get a vaccine. Many people took it willingly, but a lot of people, and a lot of people on the conservative side, let's be honest here, took that vaccine not because they felt good about it. They took it because they felt they had a gun against their head. They complied, but it was the type of compliance that seeds uh, hatred and division. The same type of hatred and division you've got a bunch of fucking clowns capitalizing on right now. I was steadfast in my, I won't say support, but I believe in in principles progressive principles okay mm-hmm. social so you got to put your card somewhere I, I'm, I'm not really anything anymore i used to be a conservative now i mean i don't want to live in 1950 right so you got to consider your options but this this is the type of bullshit that shows you a government is on its last legs any government when when you're playing fucking politics and you're putting it over lives because the point is, I don't know, but that's a little off topic. I think about the whole gun to your head part. I, I get your point, but but really, the the important part of this story would be that they had the ability to secure the vaccines about a month or so before they actually did. But the reason why they didn't is, and that's part of the reason why we're not giving away the names right now, right? But it feels like, right, that the reason why they didn't is because of the um, politics of the people who own the company. Is that fair? That is absolutely correct. Okay, should we show up these emails? Now, now I don't know which order they go in. Um, is that one? That's that's your email. I can't even see it, it's so small. Can we okay. blow that up a bit? No, I can't. Um, your email to, uh, oh, this is to the PMO staff, right? I can't help if I can't get in the game. A bad piece of PR, or more to the point, uh, that's all folks regime. Or more to the point, of that's all folks regime. Um, I'm only able to hold back these people for so long. Turks was a very bad idea. I've given all the heads up I can. I'm pulling for this government, but damn, you guys are making my job hard. Okay, just explain that email. It's to the PMO. It's to the, to the, uh, it's to the same person that that other email was from, or to, I believe, as well. Well, there's a little bit of a backstory. Um, you broke one of them at the time when I was trying to open a bank. 
uh, purchased a national bank charter with partners, uh, yeah, partners, in uh, Turks. Around that same time, a businessman um, from Calgary, I never met him in Calgary. In fact, I never met him. But uh, a very dear friend of mine, this was his ex-protege partner, uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, James McRoberts. Um, While I was doing my own fuckery with the banking, um, I heard there was big, big noise and traffic going through was going into a private trust account. And, um, yeah. And hold on, just to, just to, just to, just to set this up a little bit, James McRoberts is actually the owner or his wife is maybe of, of the house in Tofino that Justin Trudeau spends a lot of time in. So he's basically friends with Justin Trudeau. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So go on about him. But, um, yeah. So I was in Turks and I noticed there was a lot of money being moved across the wire, uh, going out of said billionaire's pockets into a blind account. Um, and this was the exact same time we've got the offer of providing vaccines that would save Canadian lives. At, we wouldn't be involved in any way. I mean, it was all them. All them. It was, you know, this is a time when people were double masking, washing their shoes. You're, you're, you're scared to go to bed at night because you think your kid might come home sick, right? So you're doing whatever you can. And right after that, that's when that happened. And that was on top of the test kit business where I got an inside door through a couple of my snitches, which is how I knew about the convoy stuff. Because We can know, call them sources. Sources. Sorry. If you want. But the guy who used to bring the weed in the in the party favors at the cottage on that detail. And um That's an interesting was, that's an interesting sort of sidebar. But uh but you're saying that there is a there is a source that you know in the RCMP that that it was a, basically a courier for whenever um our prime minister allegedly wanted certain things. Sure. Yes. Okay. Um, that's what I meant. Okay. And uh that guy's pal who was also uh, ended up marching in the convoy uh and we've all read about him too it's just and that's the interesting than... story because um at the time uh it was uh justin ling who called you crazy for suggesting such a thing correct yeah, yeah. you see what people don't understand is this guy was afraid that it might be some of his own people who are going to take a shot at him and blame it on some loony who's in a bouncy castle yeah, anytime I hear a um, a person uh, say that Justin Trudeau should have walked um, uh, to the people in that rally and gave him a half hour of his time, I always say the same thing. If there was a bunch of socialists uh, occupying, <clears throat> excuse me, occupying Parliament with like their electric cars or something uh, that had really loud horns or whatever, with fuck Harper flags, I'm pretty sure Stephen Harper would have taken a pass at trying to talk to him. You know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Call me crazy. Sure. But why does his, why does uh, Mick Roberts, why does this guy, why does he matter as far as the vaccine procurement goes? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, it's not so much the vaccine procurement, um, but there was another red flag that went up because I like to look into things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, Mr. McRoberts inherited an empire when uh, Jacobson got framed up by the U.S. Justice Department. And he was exonerated, by the way, which Justin uh, or, or Mr. McRoberts never expected to happen. That's why he uh, skedaddled to a castle in Scotland. And now he's, uh, 
I heard in the middle of some uh, some ocean on a boat because he feels more secure. But he basically stole the whole company. So I got curious and did a little digging. Um, the way Nathan met this guy, it's classic. You know, it's a friend of a friend at a bar. Chat your ear off. He's obviously, I said, Nathan, this guy sold you down the river. You do a little digging, you find out he worked for a big financier in England before Nathan. And uh, that guy ended up going down by uh, uh, for money laundering as well. Huh. I sense a pattern. Yeah. Helps but that we got your U.S. file last night, actually. But it's also because um, Justin was with uh, McRoberts right around the time just before they made the decision on the procurement, correct? Yes. Right. So the idea is that maybe he was influenced because of uh, that person's bias against the businessman that we weren't going to name. I can't prove it. I can't prove it. Yeah. Well, listen. Um, okay. So let's move on a little bit. So so just, just to bring everyone up to speed. Um, in March, uh, late March of 2021, the Canadian government had a direct line to Pfizer, Switzerland, where they could get 20 million doses of, um, of vaccine, and they didn't have any yet. And they said no. And who did they? They eventually said yes. But the people that they said yes to had an intermediary. And that intermediary was a liberal-friendly PR agency. And I don't want to name them right now because, again, I don't want... I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more careful now, <laughs> you know? But I, I, we're going to do a whole, um, we're going to do a series of reports on this. This is just sort of the kickoff. But um, that month or so that went by between the time that they could have had the vaccine and they, and, and they, they procured it from the liberal friendly source, or at least with the intermediary that was liberal friendly, like thousands of people died in this country. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, listen. Even even if you take it out the top, say, well, the prime minister doesn't decide on this. Okay, fine, great. But when it's going directly to the office of the PMO, no red tape, right? Right to yeah. the, right to right to here. Even if it doesn't get to him, this is the hallmark of politics: playing politics and making sure you take care of your friends before you save the guy in the street. And that you can't tolerate. You can't do it. Okay, so let's go to another email here. Uh, this is uh, to Jason Kenny, uh, and this is uh, from the businessman that we're not going to mention. Um, if what LeBlanc? Okay, and, and we're going to explain uh, who's Brian LeBlanc first of all. Uh, he was a gentleman that we retained. He uh, is involved with the Liberal Party in Ontario. He does uh, mostly government relations now. Okay, so this is a uh, email from. It's in the Klondike Papers from. Canadian businessman to Jason Kenny, if what LeBlanc is saying is true and you can purchase vaccines, I will put you in touch with my friend <clears throat> whose company in Switzerland is manufacturing the vaccines for Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Mer uh, Merdina, and Sputnik. Your people will deal with him directly and I will not be part of it. Because it's Switzerland, it doesn't fall under the EU limitations. Your agreement can be with the pharma companies. I hope this is true, what LeBlanc says. That deal didn't go through either, though, did it? No, it didn't. And Jason Kenny's government, it should be noted uh, at the time, also had uh, what we thought was a scandal that the mainstream media never really talked about, which was another contract that was COVID-related with the PPE equipment, things like masks and things like that. Um, that was a cult company. It was, but the, the vaccines, I mean, on, on a personal level, um, Jason Kenney desperately wanted to be able to have those vaccines because he was facing such enormous 
problems and pressure. He he definitely wanted those vaccines for 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 the province. Yeah, I don't really understand the rules that were in place at the time about what provinces could do versus what the federal government could do. But I'm pretty sure what it was is that the federal government were the only ones that could really have the power to import the vaccines and then it dispersed them throughout the provinces. Absolutely. If I'm not mistaken. Um, this one <clears throat> is to Brian LeBlanc. Uh, please see below the response I received from Brian Clow a week after sending him the email you requested me to send. I know the Ottawa two-step when I see it, and it's sad for whatever reason, but there appears to be no desire to implement mass rapid testing. I wish you in Canada the best. So this is our businessman friend just basically giving up because the writing was sort of on the wall that the, all these contracts were going to be, first of all, the PPE equipment contracts were provincial domain, not a federal domain. And we saw what happened with that, but the vaccine was, was, was federal. And so what we're trying to do here, everyone um, is paint a picture of a government who knew all the right things to say at the time. But if there was a reporter um, worth their salt, because I know there must've been a couple that had some idea about this story. I could be wrong about that, but you know, it, and we know that we're polarized and people that love Justin Trudeau might have a problem with this podcast and then the subsequent reports that are going to come out. But I want to I remind everyone of who David Wallace is and why it's important that the stories that you communicate to us from your dossier known as the Klondike Papers, everything that we have said has come true. Everything that you have said. Uh, that it's not like that I document. wanted this story to get out. It's not like I was banging the drums. Another journalist basically confronted me about it and, and was going to put it out and put their own spin on it like a hit piece. Listen, I got nothing against the guy. I got nothing for him. What I'm saying is I don't care who in that office decided to say, we don't want these vaccines because our friends aren't making money. That, that's not even the point to me. The point is that people died. Yeah. People died. Lives were ruined. People are still dealing with the result of that selfish, corrupt fucking decision today. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is that a lot of people who would criticize Justin Trudeau over this um, are, are conservatives that don't believe in the vaccine anyways. So maybe that's one of the reasons why there hasn't been such a fire lit under a story like this, because... You know, it, it, the far left uh, in this country are not real Trudeau fans, right? They're, they're, they're a lot more left than, than he is. I know he talks a left-wing game, but when you see him, there's a, there's a lot of Obama inside Trudeau, okay? When Obama was president, he would say a lot of things and get painted by Fox News as a socialist or whatever. But if you look at the policies, he was a moderate conservative at the end of the day. He, went for, he, he was going to go for universal health care. And he ended up giving a blowjob to the insurance companies instead, right? That, that's Barack Obama's legacy when it comes to Obamacare. Um, Trudeau talks a big game. He talks a big game about social issues and stuff like that. He talks a big game about feminism and gender uh, equality and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. Um, but his policies, when it comes to certain things, are decidedly not left-wing. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you, you know, the, the biggest example was when he first took office and instead of canceling that uh, military equipment deal with the Saudis, he, uh, he, he, did, he just did business with them. And a lot of liberals were like, well, you know, we can't break a contract. And it's like, you just went on a campaign for months talking about how you're a feminist, which is why um, uh, the political cartoon, not my favorite one at the time, is Trudeau riding in the uh, armored vehicle, which they sold to the Saudis, uh, with... Was it KSM, that guy that chopped up the uh, the journalist yeah. there? Um, 
with KSM running over a, a, a female Saudi that had like a sign that said women's rights and ran her over and he turns to the KSM and is like, I'm a feminist. It was the greatest political cartoon I've ever seen. It, because there are politicians that talk the game and there are politicians that, that there are very few that walk and he doesn't really walk what he talks. But, um, but if we move forward to now, this is the type of story that um like before we went on air you're like james this is going to be a great story you're going to break it and it's going to like hopefully mainstream they're not going to cover it they're not going to well, cover no it. but here's the best part i mean i'm basically being threatened by another journalist who i won't name that they're going to pop this story like it's some kind of big expose and you know what i don't deal with that type of shit anymore i don't play games anymore and here it is you're going to say something about it so let's come out let's put it all on the table yeah. And I think Canadians are mature enough to decide if it's an important story or not. But me personally, it is an important story. But of course it don't is. be disappointed in your politician. Be disappointed in yourselves for supporting these politicians. Listen, All of them. If Stephen Harper or Pierre Polyev or whoever was prime minister during the election, just, just close your eyes and imagine this for everyone listening at home. And the vaccine was available a month before they got it, but they said no. So that friendly cons conservative, friendly uh, middlemen could make their dimes off of it. And thousands of people died between the time they could have gotten and got it. You better believe every single left of center person in this country, including the media would be all over this story. They would be all over it and they would never stop. And it would probably cost the conservatives elections for the next 15, 20 years. It really would. But because Justin Trudeau did it, we're going to do this now because of the Canadian Media Fund, right? Let's be fucking honest here for a second. And Dean Blundell always makes this point, and he makes it uh, probably a lot better than I could because he was in mainstream media for a long time. Um, when you have $600 million that you dole out every year, the chances are the recipients of that money are not going to be all that hard on you. Even Post Media gets $30 million a year of, of Trudeau government money. It is not something that we need to like support this Canadian media fund. If they knew how to do a business model that was better than what they currently have, the media, then we wouldn't be in this problem. So bailing them out and giving them millions of dollars is probably not something that, uh, that we should be doing. This is a great question. Uh, Chris, what would Mordecai Richler and Hunter Thompson say? Uh, Hunter Thompson's response would be filled with expletives. And Mordecai Richler would probably compare the politicians of today with stale farts in a couch. <laughs> That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> and it's a good question, though. I love that question. Um, but here we go. Here, here we are. We're 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 breaking the story as a as a you know um, as a mid level podcast. You know, I, I I think that it's an important story. But how much do you want to bet, David, that the mainstream media, even when we put out our subsequent reports, are just going to like be like meh? Well, here's the thing. I mean, people are getting tired, you know, conservatives, liberals, Dem whatever. People are getting tired. They're getting tired of, of, of fighting. They're getting tired of their, their voices not being heard. And this bullshit that builds up, like you said, talking the talk but not walking the walk. Mm -hmm. A politician needs to stand up and finally say, look, we won't deal with nations that are butchers. We won't deal with states that are outlaw that murder journalists and mutilate women and kill homosexuals. We won't deal with scum. 
That's it. You won't see me shaking your hand. You won't see me standing in front of these people. We don't care how much money you have. We don't care how things work in your view, because you have two feet firmly planted in the past and the, the uh, petrodollar, the, uh, the uh, fossil fuel industry is not the wave of the future. Will it play an important role for the years to come? Of course it will. But you might as well open up a buggy whip factory, boys, because it's going the way of the dodo. <laughs> and, and human rights yeah. are what it's all about. Okay, um, let's end it there uh, because we are, um, so this will be in the next couple of weeks. I'm hoping to get our businessman acquaintance on. I, I'm hoping that he'll come on. I don't know if he will or not, but I'm hoping we will. We're going to try to get uh, this man on, James McRoberts. We're going to reach out to him. Anyways, I'll even reach out to, ask, to Pfizer Switzerland and just to get them to confirm some of this information uh, if I can. And, uh, and we'll see. We'll see how, we'll see how interested the, the mainstream media is on covering this story. I hate even saying that out loud because for years, the only people that were like saying mainstream media were like conservatives and they often changed it to lamestream media. Like fucking, what's her face? Um, who's that woman that was vice president? Oh, Sarah Palin, you know? Like, well, look, I don't here's the thing. Like they that. have to ignore it. You know why? They have to ignore it because every other story that they tried to tear apart, them themselves confirmed, confirmed, confirmed. So now they just got to go silent. It is very strange how many stories they haven't picked up that you have broken, that we've broken on this podcast at this network, and they just refuse it. It is kind of surreal in a way, too, because the only things that we get sued for, because you and I have been sued by a couple people, um, are the stories that are absolutely true. <laughs> like, you know, like not that these other stories aren't true, but it's always the low hanging fruit stories. It's not, it's never big stories like this. Is the PMO going to sue us? No, they're not going to sue us. Why? Because the story's fucking true. Yep. You know, it's all there. It's in the Klondike papers. The email that I read to you was sent to the PMO's office. The email that you sent to the PMO's office. The fact that we both know who this person is that was involved with this deal, that his conservative bona fides probably is the thing that Trudeau said no to, essentially trading Canadian lives for politics. Yep. David Wallace, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again soon. Tally ho. See you, buddy. All right. Yeah, that's that. Um, I want to uh, talk to you guys about what I am uh, now doing here on um, what I'm trying to do here when it comes to booking guests on this show. And I really uh, am excited about this because I, I get a little bit, uh, I don't know, frustrated only, only doing shows that are about politics and stuff. I still love my job. Don't get me wrong. But... Uh, there is an artist that I found. He was, uh, he did, he, there was a Facebook reel. And normally I, I avoid Facebook reels because you ever get caught in uh where someone posts something they're like, can you find the leopard in this photo? And it's a hoax and P idiot spent time there. That happened to me once. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. So I avoided the Facebook reels, but there is a gentleman that uh, I saw a Facebook reel of. His name is John Ogun Mawala. And this is his picture right here. And that picture behind him um, is not a photograph. It's actually a drawing. And he is a crazy talented artist. He lives in Nigeria. And what I'm trying to do now is I, I want to go around the world and find unknown people and put them on the show to see if we can get them a little bit more shine and uh, a little bit more success. He is so talented. I'm going to show video tomorrow of him. 
If you were a DJ in the city, like everybody was there. Everything was packed. Yeah, I saw fist fights. They would come out with records and people were grabbing like crazy. It was communal and it was live and it was a lot. Okay, I don't know what happened there. Uh, I tried to press the scroll button and that happened. Um, but I want to get more people like John to come on the show um, to, to sort of see what unknown artists and how talented they are. It is, uh, there are so many talented people in this world. And uh, social media, I'm, I'm, I was, the reason why I'm doing this is because there was someone that was asking me, okay, listen, like, uh, how, how, do you, how are you enjoying your podcast? This is somebody uh, behind the scenes at the network. And I was like, yeah, I like it. You know, I, I'm still enjoying it. I, I, I'm doing a little bit less now because I'm working on other things. But I'm going to start doing three or four shows a week. I've, I've been doing like two or three a week lately. But this this guy's asking me he's like what do you want to do with your show then like like how do you how do you think that you'll you'll have more fun and i said to him i'm like i think i want to put people on like i i'm known in this network for getting big guests and that's always kind of been like my goal is to get at least a couple big guests a week and as as fun as that is i now want to sort of go in the total opposite direction i want to have big guests still but i also want to have completely unknown guests that nobody knows about and to interview them and to get to know somebody new um, this kid lives in Nigeria. I call him a kid. I don't know how old he is, but this person lives in Nigeria. Uh, the last time I remember someone that I knew who lived in Nigeria, he had to get an armed escort to go to work. And um, one time he said he was he was getting this armed escort to work and he looked beside uh, him on the side of the road and there was a woman who had been cut in half. And he just kept going, you know? And and he, and he that's what made him quit his job. I'm not saying, I'm not like trying to say that Nigeria is only about that, but it is a very troubled country and to know that there's somebody there who gets up every day and is determined to just be an artist uh when when in a country that has all those problems i i i take my hat off to him and i'm very i find it very compelling so i'm going to try to continue to do this so tomorrow will be the first of those types of shows um and again this is what he looks like <clears throat> excuse me his name is john ogun molawa and uh, he will be on the show tomorrow at 10 a.m 9 a.m. at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And I can't wait to have them. So uh, hopefully you guys will tune into that and we will see you next time on Black Ball. and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. 
We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.